0: I get to be lord of all I survey today. Lord of all you survey. I'm powerful. I cannot be stopped on this day.
1: I have health on my side and I will not be stopped. The fact that you didn't open with video games is a testament to your mercy. Because you could have. I can't stop
0: you. No. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could have jumped in straight away with a video game. You, you you know, um you don't have the emotional fortitude to fend me off at this point. I don't have the fucking lung capacity. <laughs> so I'll just barrel through your words. I'll 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 talk about what I like today. I think,
1: yeah. So for the listen, for the listener's <laughs> edification, um two thirds of the podcast is sick. Uh one of whom is always ill, the other who is never ill. Yeah. Um, so we really are representing the, the, entire, the entire health like, demographic spectrum. here. The, the spectrum, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you've got the flu. I've got bronchitis. Yep. Uh, aside from the fact that I'm not getting enough oxygen to um, like move at 100% efficiency, I otherwise don't feel ill ill. My right. mind is sharp, but my lungs are Shit. Mm. um so yeah i'm very low energy apologies to the listeners um by all accounts i think Conrad, you might have it worse than me
2: i don't know about worse i've got some body i took some nyquil so that is having its effect Mm. on me but like Mm. last night i when i went to bed like it had been a progression all day of gradually worsening symptoms and then by the time i went to sleep i would fall asleep and about 25 to 45 minutes later, I would wake up coughing, Mm. which would then lead to me feeling too hot, which would cause a fever response where I began to sweat rapidly, which then immediately turned back around into a chill. Repeat this every, like, 40 minutes throughout the entire night. It was awful.
1: Yeah, that was me a couple weeks ago, but that's just because I didn't have my... um... Pain management meds mm. That I need for a while And withdrawal's a bitch
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Especially because On top of those kinds of like Withdrawal symptoms One of the symptoms of pain medication Is, and I'm sorry listeners I'm gonna break character and be a little bit unpleasant Um <laughs> It turns your shit into rocks Yeah Painful 45 minute Taking rocks <laughs> That shits out your system. Not that shit. Once, <laughs> once the shit that causes the shit is out of your system, the opposite happens. The, it, it overcompensates. So not only are you feverish and sweating and cold, you are shitting your guts out. So it's indistinguishable from food poisoning at that point. But yes, all of this is to say hello, everyone. Uh, and I'm sorry, as always. <laughs> um, and also, I, just before we do kick off, I want to thank uh, Elsa co-host on Trash Girl Diaries, that's um, also on this channel, um, Elsa Farren, who got me birthday presents. And they oh. took forever to get here, because obviously my birthday was in January, the gala event of the season. I watched The Fifth <laughs> Element, but, you know, sending from America, then customs and all of that shit. Yeah. Um, finally got here. So thank you, Elsa. I'm so delighted, right? Not only is there a an action plushie of Kate Siff in it. Ooh. Yeah, it's basically a cross between an action figure and a plushie. It's just it's got the joints like the skeleton Ooh. of a of an action man, huh. um but covered in in like soft in a soft toy. So you can like pose him. He's got little plastic soles on his shoes so he can stand up. So I'm delighted uh, by that. Also, Elsa sent along with it a Bright Arts Tonbury, which um I'd been eyeing up on the Trash Gold Diaries. I'll tell you what, right? square enix is a way better toy seller than a game seller they are (laughs) way better at toys than games i've always been a fan of square enix's like toy range unfortunately i had to leave a lot of stuff in mississippi because i just had to get out of the place i was in so i don't have any of like the big play arts kai stuff i used to have like they had a solidus snake from metal gear solid 2 Ooh. Like a fucking foot tall it was, and like with the tentacles, and I have one of them. They're really good. And these bright arts, I th- I think I've fallen in love with a new bit of tat. They are like little statue-like figures of Square Enix published game characters. Fucking heavy metal. Like I flicked its head and I hurt my finger. Solid, like I won't like drop it-drop it, I don't want to break it, but. Like, that's just, like, half an inch dropping it on the desk, like, onto its feet, which has little felt on the bottom, like a proper ornament, like at your nan's house. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they're, like, they're just this range of figures that are small and very heavy metal and metallic, and they're gorgeous. Like, if you, like, listeners, if you look up Bright Arts Tonbury, which you may have done on Trash Girls, it's fucking gorgeous. And they've got others, they've got the Cactuar and VV uh, from Final Fantasy, they've got the logo of Atlas, Atlas Games, uh, that little jester fellow, and the bear from Danganronpa. So, yeah, and they're fucking expensive, so that's a bad idea. Uh, and, and of course, uh, just to round out the presents, uh, four issues of the Skeleton Warriors comic. Thank you, Elsa, <laughs> I'm thrilled.
0: Nice. Right, that's enough talking from you. I'm gonna talk about video games. <coughs> quickly, yeah, I'm gonna I, get back I've... to what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, and and, and you know, because I've I've played video games and some of them are fucking weird and cool this week. And I yeah. will tell you about them. I played through the entirety of a real real fun, weird little game this week called Arzette, the Jewel of Faramore. Hmm. Do either of you know anything about this? Not at all. Okay. This is a unofficial sequel to the Zelda CDi games. What uh, mm,
1: Okay, now I vaguely remember you mentioning something.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is uh the serial numbers have been filed off, the characters have different names and the location names are different. Mm-hmm. But this is for all intents and purposes a literal direct sequel to the two CDI Zelda games. These That's... are the ones that anyone listening might know as the uh the ones with the very silly rotoscoped cutscenes. Yeah. Um I just wonder what Ganon's up to. That exactly. Oh, that Squad-a-la, exactly, exactly. Yeah. The... Squad Yes, it's th- it's those ones. <laughs> yeah. Um Someone, uh, a company has made a direct sequel to those with the serial numbers filed off. God bless them. But it is an incredibly faithfully made follow-up. And by that I mean, they went and got a shit ton of the original people who worked on the CDI ones to come back and do shit for this. The background illustrator artists, people who worked on the (laughs) cutscenes, voice actors... They got like a lot of. They got a lot of because they wanted it to feel faithful. Yeah, but like, I, I'm sorry, it's just
1: right the whole time. Yeah, you've been talking about this. I've been nodding along, grinning, grinning, going, "Brilliant (laughs) idea, brilliant idea." But after a while, you just think, "Wait a minute, why are they doing? Why Why are they doing this?"
0: (laughs) Because look, here's the thing. Those games are remembered for two things. Endearingly bizarre cutscenes and not actually being good games to play. <laughs> Fucking terrible. Because the Philips CDI was not a machine that was designed to actually play games very well. No, it was basically like, it was just glorified quasi-interactive
1: videos is the best thing yes. you could do, right? Yeah, exactly. Which reminds me, sorry, mm. it's just while we're on the subject of why are they doing this, and why <laughs> why do we keep, like, trying to bring back shit games, like, right? Why is plumbers don't wear ties being, <laughs> getting a special release?
0: Look, I can't hell, answer video games! I, I can't answer that one for you, but I can talk about this one. Yes. So, the the reason like the reasons that the original uh, CDI's Elders were bad to play were like in part because the machine they were on was not designed to actually have characters move around in space properly, so they were mm. very stilted to play. But the other problem is they were very rushed games because of the fact that like Philips was trying to capitalize on these franchises while in the limited window they had the rights to them, and that led to some weird artifacts of things like. um the backgrounds being designed in a vacuum not in conjunction with the people actually designing the uh, the game worlds which meant that like the tiles that like uh, for collision didn't always line up 100% with the backdrop that had been drawn mm. like a lot of the problems are like very fixable problems for what was not necessarily a fundamentally bad gameplay idea and there's a lot of people that have a lot of nostalgia for what these are, but don't necessarily want to actually play them. And I think that's where RZ fits in really yeah. nicely, is, first of all, I was very dubious that this game would be able to pull off making those cutscenes feel good. Yeah. Because obviously a big part of like the appeal of those cutscenes when you watch them back is similar to watching something like The Room, you don't know entirely how much was intended to come across (laughs) the way it did and how much was accidental. And that is part of the charm of it. And when you know that someone is trying to deliberately recapture that energy, it could very easily feel either forced or like it is just retreading what was done before. I think the biggest thing I can say to this game's credit is that it walks that line impeccably. It captures the weird little idiosyncrasies of the way those cutscenes existed without feeling forced or constrained by them. Yeah, It creates its own weird little characters, it has its own unexpected little not-quite-correct things it does with cutscenes, but it never overplays any of them too much. And I really appreciate that. I think they've done a really good job of capturing the tone without feeling beholden to it. Yeah. Gameplay-wise, I think they've done a, again a, a really good job of keeping the feel of those old CDIs elders without being as frustrating to play. In some ways this is things like the obvious there is there is an easy mode now where you can pick up hearts and health during a stage, uh which is a really uh good thing to be offering. But more so in just like making sure that enemies Spawn in more quickly on screen so that you're not getting hit by a thing you didn't see. Fixing issues like those weird things around collision where it's tough to tell what on the background is a a, a, a thing you can stand on and what isn't. Making these kind of little quality of life tweaks without changing the fact that it's fundamentally a game about walk left to right, jump on platforms, stab with a sword and see a slightly delayed explosion animation and throw stuff from your inventory. All the tweaks that it makes to that CDI Zelda formula are things that are just filing off some of the more hated edges. Things like, in the CDI Zelda games, if you need a bomb, the only way to get them really is to go to a shop in a single town and if you're mid-level and you run out of bombs, you're just fucked. Uh, Now enemies will sometimes drop bombs. Like, things that you need... Sure, you can go buy them from a shop. Enemies will eventually drop them. You're probably not going to have to like completely undo progress to leave and go back and try again. On top of which, they've added some nice little tweaks. There is a game-long trading quest, similar to stuff seen in like Link's Awakening, that I think is logically laid out while having absolutely fucking bonkers things that you're trading, and I appreciate that very much. Without getting into spoilers, I genuinely like what the plot does for the Zelda series by the end of it. And there are th- there are things that this does that I wish was Zelda canon. And that's a weird place to feel for a CDi Zelda sequel. Yeah, how much of the
1: original games happened? Oh, the original CDi Zelda games happened. So they all happened.
0: Yeah. So like the one where Link goes and saves the day happened and then Link later gets captured and Zelda goes on an adventure and Link comes out of that adventure going, oh, I don't like being captured. I'm I'm not going to be in an adventure anymore. You got this, Zelda. And it carries on from there. Like, right. that one ended with... G- Ganon got, like, trapped in a book with some gems holding the book shut. And, like, this opens up with someone broke that book open and spread the shards across the land. And Zelda's going... Yeah, I'll go get the shards, but I'm not putting him back in the book. He broke out the book last time. I'm going to find some other way to make this a bit more of a permanent solution here. Yeah. Um, like, there is a cutscene at the start that is just a recap of the first two CDI's Elder Zelda games, but with the names changed. Amazing. If you have any degree of kind of sincerity of of, like, loving the weirdness that those games represent, this is a very loving... Like, this never feels like it's mean-spirited, it never feels like it's trying to make fun of what those games were. It feels like a game that is made from the perspective of, look, it was made by a bunch of creatives who were suddenly handed a very big franchise with neither the development tools nor the time to really think about what they were doing, and that there were interesting ideas presented there that could have been made better if given a chance, and trying to make something new to be a nice little epilogue to something kind of remembered pretty uh deridedly, and I really like it. It took me maybe five or six hours to like do the whole game, including the like the lengthy trading quest, and I walked away from that game very very charmed Brilliant. and i would I would definitely take a sequel to this. It is a really nice little game. Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah! I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Also, fun fact: the developers are making replica CDI controllers that you can use with your Switch, so you wow. can play this on Switch with a CDI controller. And that brings that brings me joy that that's a thing that will exist in the world. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about either of you? Do either of you have anything you want to talk about, or should I just keep chatting about shit? <laughs> um, I mean.
1: I tried playing Morel Divers. Um yeah. I'm actually just uh adding screenshots to my review. I gave it well over a week. And I know that <laughs> yeah. I know that as soon as I publish it, people will be like, yeah, but if you pay it since the patch came out, because as soon as I'd finished writing the review, mm-hmm. and just in that window between me writing it and me about to publish this, a patch happened. One of yeah, it's already had several and they didn't do anything. But Mm. I I know people are going to be like, "Yeah, but if you played since Patch came out, I've added a note to the review that said I'm not interested. I've given it over a week. I have reviewed the game they sold me. Yeah, that is what I've reviewed, and it is not going to review high because just to make sure that I wasn't being unfair, I started the game up, put on matchmaking, and started writing my review. (laughs) I won. It didn't even start walking. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I know people are going to be annoyed because I am not going to be kind to this game, but I can only review what I've played, or in this case, haven't.
0: I had one of those experiences, I think it was Street Fighter V, where I wrote a draft of the review while trying to connect to online matchmaking. And sometimes you just have to acknowledge, like, that is the state someone released a game in, and yeah. that the online is the way it is. And with a game like Helldiver's, well you have to be online, that is make or break. And then sometimes everything worked fine before yeah. release,
2: you know? And like that sucks. Like it just it sucks yeah. for everybody that, you know, when these things yeah. happen. And <clears throat> well,
1: even beyond that, it's just a disappointing fucking sequel. Mm. It like I double checked and I was right. The stuff that's missing is missing, and it's a lot of stuff. Mm. Hmm. My favourite, like, cooldown item, the medic gun, not in it. Not a single vehicle. All of them are gone. There are 18 different types of airstrike, though. Jesus. There are 18, either like an orbital strike or an ordnance or an airstrike, just some big explosion from the sky. 18 Mm. now. The stratagem's in the original seemed quite varied, and I was kind of excited to unlock new ones and, like, get interesting ones, not just explosions. Here, it's like you've got two dro- two backpack drones that are basically the same thing, and, of course, you can only wear one backpack at once. A whole bunch of, of like, heavy weapons, like machine guns, rocket launchers, all that. Uh, a whole bunch of turrets. And that's about it. There's, like, mm. a couple deviations, maybe. But in general... Ordnance, turrets, heavy weapons. That's it. And, and I'm just stunned. I think it's hilarious that this game, in watering down its own visual style to push cosmetics, has several medic uniforms, and they took the healing out. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's wild. It's like, even if this game was stable and working, it's, it's a decent fun game when it works but it's still a disappointing also ran. like it is not as unique um as the first one in terms of gameplay things you can do and visual style it just i mean all of these disparate armor pieces like if you showed someone just a screenshot of this game i would not blame them if they were like is that anthem is that destiny is that any other number of Mm. live service game third-person shooters. The original Helldivers did not look like Anthem or Destiny or any other looter shooter. It does now. Um, So it's just stripped down, and I'm sure they'll add things, but I think the launch version of Helldivers versus the launch divers of Helldivers 2, of the launch version, really demonstrates the difference in attitudes between then and now as pertains to what is and isn't acceptable to sell in a full game. Hmm. I think that it's a beautiful demonstration um, of of this whole, you know, release it now, roadmap it later culture. Uh, yeah, I'm just disappointed. I was only going to spend a sentence on this. Um, Sometimes a game squeezes more sentences yeah. out of you. <laughs> but I have consistently tried to stay in a game and... Consistently, the game has failed. Yeah. Uh, matchmaking is fucked. Stability is. is shit. The game crashes constantly, and it is threadbare compared to the first.
0: Well put. What about you, Conrad? You played anything this week? Well, I have
2: continued against my better judgment to play more. Destroy all humans. Two reprobed, and um, so. Like, you know, I mentioned last week, yeah, the game's pretty crude, and it's not, like, necessarily extremely offensive, but I could see how some people could run into some issues with that. Uh, The game's progression starts you out in in not San Francisco, and then you go to not London, and then you go to, I want to say not Kyoto. Because it's not Tokyo. Um and see the first two are 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 Western cultures. And um the, the jokes at their expense are, are you know, they exist, but um but yeah. then when you go over to Japan and all of yeah. the characters have the worst caricatures
1: for faces It's caricatures
2: uh
1: care yeah. to care to describe any distinguishing features or leave that to our imagination oh I think I think you can manage um it... something tells me what I'm imagining in my head um which isn't far off of that black and white uh grape flavored baby food advert. <laughs> I don't think I'm too far off. no, I don't think you're too far off. What
2: was it um who who was the actor that? did that just absolutely horrendous um yellow face role. Oh that uh,
1: I'm not sure.
2: But it's on that kind of level. Like Yeah.
1: It is it
2: is they are attempting to be comical with the facial designs by going to some extremities. And it is it's not great.
1: It's nice. it's
2: not great. I'll I'll send you an image here real quick. This is one of the more uh less offensive ones that i've seen like but even this is like it's done for effect oh yeah Yeah. yeah yeah and it might explain why i haven't seen a whole lot of anybody talking about this game but past the second
1: level yeah these faces I have seen these faces described with 100% accuracy in an HP Lovecraft story. Yeah. Yeah. They that... look like his descriptions of Asian people. Yep. Fucking it's, hell.
2: It's pretty it's pretty gross. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and it's funny too because I didn't I didn't immediately notice it. Because if I'm, you know, running around a a japanese themed environment and can choose to be any character in that environment i'm gonna be a ninja so you'll see their faces <laughs> so i did notice it took a while it wasn't until i'd swapped to a soldier and i was walking along and then i rotated the camera around i was like oh god oh no what have you done it's yeah deeply uncomfortable um so yeah, that's what I did this week. I got steeved <laughs> out by Destroy All Humans too. Good stuff. Yeah. What about you, Laura? Uh
0: i i played some I played some other things this week that that uh, I'll I'll talk about one that I started playing and I'm a few hours in and it's looking very promising, but I'm not confident I will ever complete the game. Uh, it's called Cookie Cutter. Um, I was gifted a copy of this over the festive period and the thing that reminded me to get around to trying it was I was watching some video on YouTube about the uh, best animation scene in video games in 2023 and this came up and my god they're not wrong. Um, Cookie Cutter is a side-scrolling sort of Metroidvania type game with some of the most Gorgeously over-animated um, character and enemy animations I've I've ever seen. The concept, which like, there's a bit of plot to get out of the way to sort of explain the the gist of it, but there's a big there's a big metal sphere in space, and everyone's like, oh, I wonder what's at the middle of the big fucking sphere in space, and basically, Space Amazon manages to get into the center and get a gem that seemingly advances them and them alone several hundred years in tech advancement, Mm. which they use as a big megacorp to basically be like, yeah, fuck it, we're in charge of everything now. We have tech that you don't. And you are playing as a robot made by an engineer from this megacorp who's basically had a change of heart and gone, I'm going to make a robot that can go and fuck up the megacorp, gets caught doing it, gets kidnapped, you as the robot are like, I'm going to go murder my way to go and destroy the Megacorp and go rescue Engineer that made me. And it is a violent game. It uses its 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 very, very fluid animation to do a lot of, essentially, uh, Mortal Kombat finishes. It really loves to do a, a, a ridiculously animated 2D enemy-specific Mortal Kombat finisher all the time. Mm. the way that the combat works is you have melee attacks that are you've got two buttons you've got your regular melee attack that is not particularly powerful but it it builds up a meter and you can spend that meter to do stronger more powerful attacks that will like deal proper big damage or you can use it kind of in something like uh like in something like hollow knight to be a healing resource um, and you balance, you know, which of those you're going to use it for. But it's like, do your little quick combos that aren't really there to do damage. They're there so that you can do big, heavy hits to try and actually deal deal the damage in there. Uh, there is a parry. The window for the parry is incredibly fucking tight. And as such, I have not been using it. I, I just cannot get that parry timing right. So I've been doing a lot of dodge rolling in combat. Mm-hmm. And the first time that this game offered, like, locked me in a room with, like, 15 enemies, I understood what this game wanted to be, which is, there is platforming and exploring, but the general thing is, you are going to get trapped in environments with enemies that try and overwhelm you by numbers, and you just have to keep on top of that situation, and not get greedy. You know how in, like, a Souls game or something, you get, you often with bosses get that sort of push and pull of, get in, get one or two hits... I know I've not finished my combo, but back away. Like, don't don't try and squeeze that one extra hit in. Yeah. This gets that feel outside of boss encounters by surrounding you with lots of enemies. And it's... You're having to keep an eye on lots of different things near you at once and go, is one of these about to hit me? Do I just back, at, back out? Uh, trying to kite groups of enemies together so that you can be attacking multiple of them at once and having to think about fewer things that might cause you'd have to disengage from that attack uh, run. And the combat is really satisfying. It is very, very enjoyable to play. It is pretty punishing, but I appreciate that there is fairly reliable checkpointing, particularly for bosses. There's usually a checkpoint no more than like a 10-15 second run back to the boss room. But... I'm only a few hours in and I'm already feeling like I am up against my upper limit of what I can handle, difficulty-wise in this game, and I'm sure I will unlock things that will, you know, like health upgrades or attack upgrades or whatever that'll help, but I'm early on already going there's probably going to be a point in this game where I can't play any further, and that's a shame because I like a lot of this game's world, I like its animation, I enjoy when I do manage to overcome these these tough fights it places in front of me, but I'm not convinced I'm going to keep pace with its its difficulty curve. The other thing I will say about it is... I described it as, if anything, a little over-animated. It's not usually an issue, but sometimes you'll be in... Let me think of an example. Let's say you're in a room, and you're basically trying to get from the bottom to the top by jumping between platforms to sort of raise up. Occasionally, you will run a little further one way or the other than you meant to and run off an edge because one of those very nicely done animations is just a little too slow to finish up and change direction and that doesn't i've never found that be an issue during combat but it is sometimes in platforming traversal an occasional issue and i can feel that it's down to the fact that like these animations are gorgeous but but it kind of has to finish them i think it is well worth checking out i think it there there is a lot that's very promising here but yeah i think this is a game for someone other than me while really hoping i'm wrong yeah um,
1: sounds good doesn't
0: sound like my thing no it's if nothing else go watch some footage of it and go appreciate some of the animations going on in it. I, I, it one hundred percent deserves to be paid attention to for its animations. It's, it's an interesting world. I'm gonna try and stick with it. I am struggling to keep with it. Um, either have you played anything else, or shall I go into something else I've played?
1: Uh, I played a demo of a game Ooh. Um, called Heartworm. Uh, this is a survival horror game. I learned about it through Casey Explosion. Um, mm-hmm. She mentioned the Save Room music, posted a, a video of it on the um, Stephanie Sterling Trash Palace Discord, and and it's really pretty. So it's got a demo on Steam, downloaded it, tried it on the Steam Deck. It seems to all work fine on there. So it's a survival horror. Um, it is very Silent Hill, Resident Evil. It's kind of got a lot of stylistic similarities to Resident Evil, but with like the kind of aesthetic... Um, style of silent hill in terms of like music style and just sort of general visual color palette and tone that kind of thing um seems solid uh it starts off with tank controls i hate them i've noticed that there are attempts now to rehabilitate tank controls i will oppose these attempts i will oppose them I opposed it when people tried to justify it by saying it made horror games scarier, which no it didn't. And I will oppose it now when people are like, it's good actually. Mm-mm. Um The trouble with this game is you can switch the from tank controls to modern, as you can in like the director's cut of Silent Hill 2. But it I I'm not sure what it's doing wrong, but it's shit. So in Silent Hill 2, the original release had the tank controls that we're used to from like the original PlayStation games, uh, the, the proper old-school survival horrors. I believe it was the director's cut, or, or some re-release of Silent Hill 2, that added what they called the difference between 2D and 3D controls, but it's modern versus tank. Obviously, tank controls are used because of fixed camera angles and the constant switching of cameras and how that might confuse controls. I'm not sure what it is about Silent Hill 2, that its controls don't get confused by that, but it is... A very different experience with with the demo here, with Heartworm. Part of the thing is, I, th- I think I've narrowed... I think I've, I've sort of isolated what it is. In order to deal with modern controls in a fixed camera game, you've kind of just got to get used to the idea that when the camera changes, you keep your thumb on the stick in whatever direction you were pushing, and you keep it going to go forwards, then at your convenience, just twiddle the stick in your thumb, and it will recalibrate, and you'll have one-to-one control again something is happening with this game that that's not quite working and i've had instances where the controls are getting confused and so i'm going back and forth between two different camera angles as the controls remap themselves to cope with the new perspective that is not something i've had ever had an issue with outside of user error when i'm getting used to it in silent hill 2 Uh, You get used to, it's a little fiddly at first and you do sort of like go flip between camera perspectives, but then you get used to it. This one, like, as someone who plays Silent Hill two with modern controls, because I hate tank controls, and have learned to deal with, with how that's affected by fixed cameras, I'm not dealing with it here. It's, something's off. And and that's something I'd like to see fixed. Otherwise, it's it's nice. It's got a really great soundtrack. Visually, it's interesting. It starts off in a spooky house, but now I'm in a town where the sky is static and monsters are like humans in vague TV broadcast signal. Like they're made out of of uh, yeah visual signal. Uh, really interesting. But I did get to a point where I got trapped between two monsters on a set of stairs, and then I got annoyed, so I stopped playing. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's that was the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Main other thing that I played this week that I, I talked about a little bit last week, but I've played a, a hell of a lot more of it this week and I want to come back around to, mm-hmm. is I've been playing a bunch more Deep Rock Galactic Survivors, which is that uh, sort of 3D uh, perspective uh, mm. Survivors type game that I was talking about last week. And I've put like 20 plus hours into it this week. I'm really digging that, that survivor's game. So to very quickly recap, it is a uh, survivor's game in which you are playing as a dwarf trying to dig down several layers of uh, a couple of different biomes. Uh, It does the uh, vampire survivors type thing of your weapons typically have attack patterns, uh, but you can sort of change what those attack uh, auto firing patterns are a little bit as you go. Things that I, I've i been really appreciating the more time I've put into this, so despite the fact that this the, the, the early access version that's currently available has four characters and three environments, they've done a really good job of making that content stretch really far and not feel like a limited amount to play with. Um, things that I think really help, each of those four characters, the more you use them, you slowly level them up and unlock alternative builds for them each of these four characters essentially has three sub builds that you can eventually unlock that not only change which starting weapon you start with but some pretty fundamental things about how your stats work and those might be things like you not only start with this turret weapon that other characters can get but as default you'll deploy them much faster or um you start with this weapon that isn't necessarily a particularly useful starting weapon but you get faster uh experience growth and that allows the whole run and those kind of changes have done a really good job of um making these the the characters and builds feel distinct um i think it helps that they also those sort of sub builds will also impact the likelihood of getting certain weapons during runs to increase the chance of you getting the things the, that build is probably specking towards anyway, making it easier to get things that synergize um, and work nicely together. Um, I really enjoy the system of how um, weapons get stronger. Um, unlike something like Vampire Survivors, where you are trying to get combinations that will turn into stronger forms, every weapon in this has a pretty equal leveling curve, which is every six times you level up a specific weapon it will get some kind of bigger buff to it. Uh, They're called overclocks. Level 6, 12, and 18 for a weapon, uh, you get them. At level 18, you get an unbalanced overclock, which is a very big change to the way the weapon works, and you'll get a couple of them offered, and that might be something like this rotating beam of fire that goes in a circle around you. By the time you get to an overclock uh, at level 18 maybe it's five uh five or six of these fire things spinning around you plus all of whatever upgrades to it you got along the way um they're all fundamentally tied to what the weapon feels like it's supposed to be doing but it basically is like if you if you really commit to one weapon you get very much rewarded for that commitment and working out how much to balance upgrading all your weapons equally versus this is the one that I want to get like a really powerful something added to uh is is has been really satisfying um I like that each of the levels has pretty significant uh difficulty uh modifiers you can add to them um each of the the environments you've you've got to explore have little things that make them unique even from the starting levels things like oh this level's got uh Uh, lava that you can run through if you need to but it's gonna it's gonna hurt or there's this level with vines that will slow down your progress and even if you mine them they'll they'll sort of grow back and i like that they introduce those things gradually and as you turn up the difficulty on a level uh they ramp up how prevalent those issues are and start adding new things on top of them um it gives each of those environments a good degree of how bad is the unique challenges here going to fuck you around. Um, I like that this game, 20 hours in, I've yet to have that issue you sometimes have with these Vampire Survivor type games of feeling too overpowered too quickly. Um, Because of the fact that you're constantly unlocking new ways to modify difficulty... I've co- pretty constantly felt like the game has been in, you know, with a new run of Vampire Survivors, you have that first period of time where it's like, if I can get past fifteen minutes on a level, that was a good run. Yeah, it keeps, it helps you keep the difficulty in that kind of spot where you're not just as a given, like, oh yeah, know, yeah, I'll hit the half hour point. A half hour point, I'm just going for victory laps of things you know numbers going flashing everything like that it it gives you the ability to keep it in that range of i'm going to struggle to get to the end of this particularly if i'm trying to do anything other than just survive if i'm trying to do any its uh any additional objectives to unlock other things i'm going to struggle to do that and also get to the end of this run um i like that um each stage has a supply drop where you can get like a, a a pretty significant upgrade to how health works. Those will drop into random locations, and if they're surrounded by uh, rock and debris, you have to go and clear them out and mind mind the sort of circle around it out before you can get this 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 item, which gives a really good balance to I want that quite significant upgrade, but I'm going to have to stick in one place and not just keep running away, backing away from enemies to do it. I like that when you uh, mine out the area for those supply drops um, a very big projectile drops in from the sky to deliver your uh, your your upgrade and if you time it right and lure enemies towards where it's going to drop correctly uh, you can basically get a free one hit kill on bosses by correctly timing I know where it's going to fall and roughly how long it's going to take and I'm just going to get you right where I need you and that's really satisfying when you pull it off. I like that levels, when you beat the the sort of boss of a floor, out of the, I think it's five or six floors you've got to do on a run, uh, you kill that boss, and your escape pod will spawn in a, within a certain radius, and you have 30 seconds to get out of that level. And that 30 seconds feels really well-timed for. You've got a moment to play around with if you need to take a slightly circuitous route, or you uh, ne- want to try and, like just avoid some really dangerous enemies and not run in a straight line but you've not got much time to to breathe and do that you will often find if you've tried to take a long way around to to save some health you'll end up having to sprint through some enemies and just tank the damage and not worry about it it it's it's pretty well timed that sort of panicked escape from stages uh and that's that works really nicely i'm re- i'm really digging it uh, it It is, for a game that on paper looks like it has a fairly small amount of things, 20 hours in I am still very invested in progression and unlocks and engaging with its whole progression system. Um, I like that the resources for getting permanent upgrades between levels are specifically gems you find in the levels and things you have to go out of your way to make time to mine uh, while you're in levels and that that is a thing you have to keep thinking about. I uh, I like that to be able to start getting those powerful um, unlock upgrades on weapons, you have to level a weapon up to level 12 once without it getting unlocks. So you have to do a run where you're not getting those powerful buffs oh. a couple of times to unlock the ability for that weapon to get its good buffs in later runs. So you have to like really stick with a weapon in its base form for at least one run and get what it's about before it starts throwing you things that massively change it. And I think in practice that works really nicely. Um, I like that the weapon builds... There's a lot of weapons in this that don't just feel like they're reskins of Vampire Survivor's ones. From little turrets that follow you around, to a microwave laser that zeroes in on whatever's got the highest health, to a big thing that squirts goopy, acidic gunk uh, haphazardly around you. It's got a mm. bunch of weapons that feel very its own. Uh, one of my favourites is a plasma cutter that shoots out two sort of balls and they'll sort of bounce in, in random directions, but a, a line of plasma will connect them. Uh, and they it will fire whatever direction has the biggest number of enemies clumped together. You add me so a bounce, a in bounce and balls. Bounce in balls! It's a weapon that specifically tries to target yeah. groups of enemies and does spread damage. And I'm like... These feel good and distinct. I don't feel like I've seen these in other Survivors. That's a, like...
1: Because, yeah, I did tread on it all to get to my um, reference of testicles. Uh, Mm. But (laughs) that is a a unique targeting that I've not seen in these games before. And i played a lot. Like, the highest concentration... That's a really good...
0: It's... Yeah. It's... And I like that weapons, some of those overclocks you can get for weapons not only will change like how the weapon works or like what kind of damage it's doing, but they can change the targeting type. So you can have something like, I really like this weapon, but it's currently just randomly spinning. Uh, This overclock will let me change it to target the highest HP enemy, which will probably be the boss. Or um, I'm trying to think of some of some of the good ones that I've seen. Um... But yes, to, uh, the the largest cluster of enemies, the nearest enemy, sometimes you'll get, like, a, a range of... Uh, sometimes you'll get, like, uh, n- enemies within a 45-degree cone in front of you, so it'll have a degree of targeting, but only in a narrow direction. Um, it's, yeah, it's got some, own, some ideas of its own. It's got weapons that don't just feel like they're functioning like other survivors I've played. I really do think it's worth checking out. Um. So yeah, has anyone else played anything else, or should we quickly get some news out of the way and and call it a week? Uh, yeah, I think I'm all all, all done. Yeah, you gone red? Yep, I'm all good. In that case, let's quickly rattle through some news. Uh, so it let's get this one out of the way nice and quick. Um, since we recorded last week, we now know what all the hubbub about Xbox bringing games to other platforms was. I watched Xbox do their whole little announcement of, of the future of Xbox games on other platforms, and it was 25 minutes of the most wishy-washy, embarrassing corporate speak I've ever seen. It boiled down to, and I'm paraphrasing, we're bringing four games to other platforms. Only four games, except well, for now. Only four games, don't worry. it's not It's not Starfield, it's not mm-hmm. Indiana Jones. We can't tell you what four games That's- they are because reasons. We we can't tell you what they are, because other people have imminent announcements to make, and eh, like it was clearly a Nintendo Direct was coming, but they weren't allowed to say that, so they just had to talk about the categories of games that they were going to be. It basically boiled down to smaller games that didn't sell ter- terribly well, and were made on smaller budgets that maybe we want to make sequels for, and multiplayer, big service games we want to have larger audiences playing so that the servers seem fuller. Um, Also, we're definitely making consoles still, don't worry, we're not backing out of that, and uh, people have asked us about game preservation, and our answer to that is uh, consoles might be backwards compatible in the future, that's the same as game preservation, right? It was a kind of embarrassing affair. It was a weird... We want to be in control of the messaging, but we've signed agreements with other companies that say we can't announce what we're actually doing. People very quickly worked out the four games were Hi Fi Rush, Pentiment, which was Obsidian's side scrolling medieval uh, game, Grounded, and Sea of Thieves. And two of them have now officially been announced uh, Grounded and Pentiment are imminently coming to Switch. At the time of recording, Hi-Fi Rush, and see if these haven't been announced. But it sure sounds like maybe PlayStation's going to announce them later today. It was a whole real clusterfuck of an announcement for what, in theory, shouldn't have been a big deal because Xbox has been bringing their smaller games to Switch for a while. They brought Ori in the Blind Forest and uh, uh, C- uh, what was it, uh, Super Lucky's Tale and Hellblade. This isn't really a change of yeah plan but they fuck they bungled the messaging really fucking bad and mm. made just a very casual a couple of smaller games or games we want to have larger multiplayer audiences will come to other systems became a whole big thing there's been a couple of other bits on on that Xbox news the main one that i think is worth uh, noting is do you remember we talked a little while back about the fact that a bunch of future Xbox plans got leaked as part of FTC filings and one of those was a uh, xbox series x redesign that wasn't going to have a disc drive and they talked on the slide about the uh, adorably all digital future that it would bring <laughs> do you remember do you remember that the adorably all digital future all digital all digital adorably so um which only got compounded because recently like stores have been reporting they're not receiving physical copies of xbox games anymore and there's been rumblings that maybe xbox was just gonna ditch physical games entirely phil spencer says that is not the case and has basically tried to pretend that that adorably all digital statement never happened he says that uh uh, Microsoft continues to be supportive of physical media and getting ris- rid of physical that's not a strategic thing for us don't get it twisted Xbox definitely did want to get rid of uh, physical media at some point that slide didn't come from nowhere Xbox uploaded it to the FTC but it seems like they've seen the complaints and are like oh, we're not, we won't get rid of physical just yet, don't worry, don't panic so at least for now, Xbox is still making physical games. We'll see how long that that lasts. For for now, they claim they're not going to the adorably or Dis- digital future. At least not quite yet. Beyond that, we've got some Embracer news again, because of course we do. Before we jump into the Embracer news, I did. Uh, there's a clip that you need to see if you haven't seen it yet at the Dice Awards. The host Greg Miller made a joke about how everyone in the games industry right now hates Embracer, and a camera turned to the CEO of Embracer, who was just sat with a fucking comical frown on his face as everyone in the room was laughing, and it's very cathartic Uh, to see a very upset Embracer (laughs) CEO uh, while everyone's laughing, going, yeah, they did fuck up the industry, didn't they? (laughs) I
1: love it when executives have no sense of humour, which they never do about themselves.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, so, so
1: fucking good. Because they're not you yeah. because executives live in this world where they're all like, you know, sucking each other off. They're all fucking, you know, like they surround themselves with yes men and backpacks yeah. and and superiority. And the moment mm-hmm. they step out of that bubble and, and are reminded that normal people hate them, it's great.
0: Yes. What's not so great, though, is some of the wonderful comments we've heard from Embracer uh, this week. Embracer has cut nearly 1,400 jobs recently, uh, but apparently they're just looking out for shareholders. You know, it's it's, it's all about the shareholders. I'm going to read you a quote, and it's the most upsetting thing I've heard in a while from a CEO, and that's saying something. Our overruling principle is to always maximise shareholder value in any given situation. At least they're honest. I mean, they are honest, but it is uh, an upsetting thing to hear from a company that is at the, the, the heart of basically 90% of the stories about layoffs we've been hearing yep. recently. It is fucking tone deaf to to be like... On a weekly basis, there's always a story every week about Embracer having laid off more people, and they're like, yeah, but no matter what the situation, it's the shareholders that are important in every situation. They're what we care about. Mm. Which is every CEO, but you've got to be fucking brazen to just say it. They're really just not going to stop gutting the industry for a while, are they? No, they're not. No. No. I mean...
1: We might need to just do, like, a quarterly roundup of the Embracer shit, because every week it's the same. Every week yeah. they've done something fucking awful, and it's the same shit. Like, it, we might yeah. need to just do, maybe an Embracer special. <laughs> we just do, like, like a five-hour long podcast, all mm. about yeah. how Embracer fucking sucks.
0: yeah. Well, you know, we did get one one hopeful p- hopeful bit of of Embracer related adjacent news this week, though. Um, an Embracer-owned studio, Flying Wild Hog, has unionized. Fuck yes, I like Flying Wild yep. Hog. They did. Um... Oh, did they do uh, sh- Hard Reset? They... Uh, I know they did Shadow Warrior, Space Punks. Oh, uh, I don't know if they were Hard mate. Reset. I'm
1: gonna look that up. Hard Reset was the fucking tits. No, not hardware reset. Uh,
0: hard reset was Wild
1: Flying Fuck halt. Yes, yes, yeah. Hard reset. It's like a sci-fi robotic painkiller. So it's got that that sort of intense wave-based painkiller, Serious Sam-esque sort of first-person mm. shooting. But it's all like really cool fucking robots.
0: They did Evil West. Oh, they did. Oh, oh my God! Yeah. Yes, yeah. They, they did. did a, Evil they've done a bunch West. of weird, cool stuff. They've done a bunch of of creative interest yes in i am delighted that they've unionized yeah. uh so yeah they shared the news on linkedin they are the third studio to unionize under the polish game dev workers union uh and the first embrace embracer-owned studio to unionize they're under the same um like collective union uh, like overhead union as uh, uh the uh, cd project red 11-bit studios who are the this war is mine folks I'm glad to see not only if they unionized, but they are part of a wider sort of set of companies unionizing together and collectively having some power. So fuck yeah. Hey, other studios under Embracer, do everything you can to unionize because they're not going to stop with the current companies they've gutted. They're going to keep moving around gutting more and more. And if you can unionize, that is the best shot you have of doing anything about the rampage they're on. Um, so good on them, good on them indeed. We also have a story about uh, another story about layoffs. Um, ZA slash UM. I don't know how that studio's name is meant to be pronounced. The the Disco Elysium studio. Allegedly, there has been a bunch of layoffs ha- happening there. Uh, up to a quarter of the uh, the the company's staff are facing redundancy and a standalone expansion to Disco Elysium has been cancelled. The story is a little messy at the moment. There has been a lot of reporting back and forth, uh, and a lot of it is tied up in the he said, she said stuff that was going on last year about what was going on at the company. But the short version, 24 employees have been made redundant, They were working on a Disco Elysium expansion that was still a couple of years away from being completed. It is allegedly the third project to have been canned or indefinitely postponed by the company in as many years. They keep hiring people on starting to develop Disco Elysium-based things. Cancelling them and laying the staff off that have been put on those projects seems to be the pattern. Everything going on at that studio seems to be really fucking messy like we we know that like the original uh folks that were like some of the first folks that were involved in Disco Elysium quite chaotically left the company there have been reports of not great working conditions going on there they seemingly cannot get a project started and stick with it nothing is sounding great so yeah that's not great <laughs> The industry continues to just be uh, a mess with people losing their jobs left, right, and center. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yep.
1: like that. I, I am out of things to say. Like I yeah. am completely out.
0: It's just. Yeah. Yup.
1: Yeah. I got
0: nothing. <laughs> no, that's fair. Um. Also, side note. Um, You know how I said, like, ten minutes ago that it seemed likely that by the end of today Hi-Fi Rush was probably going to get announced by PlayStation? Yep, yep, yep. Literally, as we're recording, it just got announced. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, people have found an un... Okay, I don't know if it was officially announced. Ah. People have found an unlisted video on Bethesda's YouTube. Certainly by the time this podcast is up, yeah. it has an been found. Unli- an unlisted video uploaded by Bethesda has been found... There you go. ...spanish, I think. But yeah, it's it seems like... xbox you really don't have a handle on all this do you Uh, Mm. but yeah i think that's everything i think we could probably call it here we made it an hour you can both go get some sleep and rest now
1: (laughs) okay um while conrad and i die uh what could what could those in the land of the living do to enjoy more concept from yourself laura
0: uh people can find more of the stuff that I do uh Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, uh um Blue Sky Mastodon, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. Uh L- Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. Um uh, look out for this week's episode of Access Ability going up on uh on Friday talking about uh, incorporating accessibility into pvp multiplayer games and some of the challenges and successful solutions to that that the industry has tackled i'm really happy with that video i hope people check it out also uh keep an eye out because at some point soon me and jonathan holmes uh, jonathan holmes might be helping me with a very silly project that maybe involves singing the names of all 150 sujimon in like a Dragon: Infinite Wealth. So uh, that's going to be fun. Look out for that. Uh, what about you, Conrad?
2: How dare he? How dare he? <laughs> I didn't call
1: He right? I mean, didn't, didn't call us. I, I don't have words. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have written a Willem Dafoe movie pitch so vile it needs a content <laughs> warning on Boston's favorite Sum. Oof. I. Have <laughs> I have been dealing with massive amounts of depression multiple times? I've wanted to just message you, Conrad, with "Bring me the boy," <laughs> because I need him, we- and and he's gallivanting. Yeah.
2: Oh, I'll get I'll, I'll get a hold of him.
1: I am angry, <laughs> but I am grinning because of how much <laughs> I'm going to dine on this. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Sorry. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Uh,
2: you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Conrad Zimmerman. I'm on Twitch, but I probably won't be the rest of this week. Twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. Anti-capitalist propaganda is at mercenarycreative.com. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash You know who else has a Patreon? Stephanie Sterling.
1: That is true. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. It is a good time. I'm uh, off wrestling for a bit so that I can just end the podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.